No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where David decides to be silent before the wicked, but he cannot hold his peace. What he finally says may surprise you. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. What is man's life? It's a vapor. That's the conclusion David comes to, and likely the conclusion that most people come to as they near the end of life. It's not how much life we live, but how well we live it. In Psalm 39, David reflects on the brevity of life in the face of the wicked. It's good for us to remember as we walk through our own evil days and seek to know how God would have us live them. Psalm 39, I said I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle. While the wicked are before me, I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned, and then I spoke with my tongue. Have you ever been in that situation where you were afraid to say anything because what you were hearing was making you very angry? And you could say something that you would later regret. So you decide that I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm not going to say anything either good or bad. That was the situation David was in. He was surrounded by the wicked. He was hearing what they were saying. And it was leading him to just this vexation, anger within, a burning fire within. But he resolved, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to put a muzzle on my mouth. And yet he couldn't. He was like a volcano that was just building up the pressure. And finally it erupted and he spoke with his tongue. Now, if that were you, what would you say at this point? Would you just rebuke the wicked? Would you argue with them when you get in their face? Would you tell them how awful they are? Whatever. But that's not what David does here. Let's take a look. Verse four, Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am? Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, Every man at his best state is but vapor, Selah. Think about it. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. Now that's interesting. What David says is, Lord, help me to know my end. What's the measure of my days? How much life do I have? not very much, and how frail I am. So if I know that my life is brief, then how am I going to live it? What am I going to occupy myself with? Do I really want to get caught up in all of this? Is that the best use of my days? Because you've made them as hand breadths. What's a hand breadth? It's your four fingers. <laughs> so you think about 
your four fingers. That's, you know, what about three or four inches? And David says, that's it. That's my lifespan right there. So brief. My age is as nothing before you. Now, how could David say such a thing? Well, when you consider your lifespan, I mean, let's just say you make it to be 100 years old. Well, what is that compared to eternity? It's nothing. And David realizes this. Since my life is just a vapor, it's just here and gone, a wisp of smoke. Well, then how am I to live it? And so he says, surely people busy themselves in vain. They heap up their riches. And it's not wrong to be busy. Jesus was busy. He did many good things in his three and a half years of public ministry. But you think about all that people put their lives into, the temporal things they put their lives into, and yet it's all gone in a flash. Where do all the riches go? How quickly they get wings and fly away. And David says, look, you can heap all this stuff up, but then you pass and you really don't control who gets it. You can you know, write your will, but you really don't know what they're going to do with it after you're gone. And that's life. It's a vapor. It's quick. And so he says, Lord, this is what I desire from you. Just help me to know what my life is really about and what I'm here for so that I might use my time, my resources, my life wisely. Verse 7, now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. Remove your plague from me. I am consumed by the blow of your hand. When with rebukes you correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth. Surely every man is a vapor. Selah. Good question. Now, Lord, what do I wait for? What do you wait for? What do I wait for? If we're not waiting for the goodness of the Lord, then what are we waiting for? I really don't have a whole lot of hope in the goodness of man. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of hope in man being able to change the current course of things. I think the transgressions of man, the transgressions of our nation are so heaped up that there's not much recourse except to pray to God and ask God for his help, for his mercy, for revival in our nation. That's what I'm waiting for. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm looking to. And my hope, David said, is in you. Where is your hope? When we speak of hope in the Bible, it is that joyful, confident expectation. Is that in anything in this world? Is it in man? Is it in a new administration? Is it in more wealth? What is it in? Well, David said, my hope, my joyful, confident expectation is in you, Lord. So deliver me from my transgressions. You know, David was like Daniel. He was like Nehemiah. He recognized that it wasn't everybody else's fault, surely. There were the wicked and there were people that were doing things wrong. But he said, Lord, deliver me from my transgressions. I'm a guilty party here too, Lord. So deliver me 
from my sins. And don't make me the reproach of the foolish. Don't let them, you know, cast their deriding insults against me. And don't, and certainly don't let me give them any cause to do so. David said, remove your plague from me. I am consumed by the blow of your hand. I think that certainly has relevance to us right now and what we're dealing with. Lord, remove the plague. When with rebukes, you correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth. Now, that word beauty can also be translated riches or possessions. And the idea here is that when God rebukes a people, a person, a nation, uh, he can take away their beauty, their wealth, their prosperity in a moment. Surely every man is a vapor, Selah. Now that sounds pretty dismal, doesn't it? It sounds uh, like a pretty depressing psalm. And it would be, except that you understand there's more to life than just this life. And the idea here is that the better we live, whatever days we have in this life, the better our eternity is going to be. And that's the ultimate focus. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner, as all my fathers were. Remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength before I go away and am no more. Often we see David saying, Lord, hear my prayer. Give ear to my cry. You know, listen to what I'm saying here. Don't ignore my tears, God. But here he says, I'm a stranger with you, a sojourner as all my fathers were. Now, what did he mean by that? Well, again, just that he's passing through. He's here only briefly, like Abraham, who was a stranger in the land of Canaan. He never owned any land except the field of Machpelah, which he you know, purchased as a burial ground. That was the only land that he owned. The Bible says that he was looking for that city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. And so he says, Lord, I'm a stranger here. I think in terms of when we go on vacation, we stay at a hotel. You know, we might really like the room. It might be decorated nicely, but we may not like it. And But I'm not tempted to go and buy new furniture or redecorate. Why? Well, because I know I'm only going to be there for a few days and then we're off someplace else. It wouldn't make any sense to invest so much in something that we really aren't going to be there very long. And I think that's the way this life is. The more we realize how transitory this life is, the less we will be engulfed by it and the more we will be looking to the life to come. Now, David said, remove your gaze from me. I think David was just dealing with the hardship, feeling that he was you know, under God's plague, feeling that God was rebuking him or chastening him for some reason. Uh, he was going through it. And, and so he comes to really what I believe is a misunderstanding of the gaze of God. It wasn't that God was gazing at him to destroy him. That was what the devil would probably like David to believe. 
But I'm reminded of a story that I heard. There was a, a child, he went to the Sunday school and the Sunday school teacher said to him, you know, you better be careful because God is watching you. You know, you better do the right thing. And so he came out of that Sunday school class and he, his father asked him, well, what did you learn today in Sunday school? And so he repeated what the teacher said. And his father said, you know, that's true. God is watching you. He loves you so much. He can't take his eyes off of you. And I think that the more we realize that, even though we may be going through hard times, we may feel like we're under the plague. You know, we're dealing with the the chastening of the Lord, perhaps. And we're tempted to say, Lord, take your eyes off me. Wait a minute. God is for you. He's not against you. And he's watching you because he wants to see you, how you're going to fare through this time of testing. And he really wants to to boast on you like he did Job. He wants to boast on you too. So the thing is, is we should say what David said, Lord, my hope's in you. Uh, and teach me how I may live this life. Help me live this life in such a way as to bring you glory. So however many days that I have to live, that I may maximize them by living them for you. Again, it's not so much how many days we have to live, but with how much love that we live the days we have. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Next time, we'll see where David cries out to God from the pit, and God delivers him. God preserves his saints with loving kindness and truth. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Psalms on Simply the Bible.